All right, welcome into Sports 1140 KHDK. Hopefully you enjoyed the Golf to Go Golf Hour. Frank LaRosa was in here, and uh, we enjoyed that. We always enjoy talking golf with some really good stuff today. And like we said, if you get a chance and, and missed any portion of that, we will podcast it on KHDK.com, and you'll chance to hear back on uh, all the good things that we had to go over that last hour. Today on this show, we only have one hour because Kings basketball is coming your way today. Kings beginning a four-game road trip. We'll have game night starting at 4 with Scott Marsh and the High Flyer. Uh, Kings Live pregame coming your way at 5 o'clock. And then, of course, Kings and Spurs tonight uh, as that one gets going. 5.30, game one of this road trip. It's actually a really busy night of games in the NBA. Uh, but the Kings are are part of that. And uh, after two straight losses, really important to get back in the win column. We'll talk about that today. It's also a Wednesday, and Lincoln Kennedy stops by. He will join us at the bottom of the hour for a weekly visit with Lincoln. And then we'll have uh, some final thoughts before we get you to our coverage with game night and the crossover. That's all coming up here today. All right, it's time to get a new mattress. Shop local at Sleep First. All right, so it's Kings in action. Let's do it, though. Let's get going here with First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. Kevin Booker to Chris Poole. High screen from JaVale McGee. Paul dances to his right. Throws to Crowder. Swings it over to Booker. Eludes the defender. Puts it on the floor. Kicks it out with five in the clock to Paul. Looks off a defender. He feeds Crowder. Steps into the three. Doesn't get it. Battle for the rebound. It's grabbed by the Kings. Now it's on the floor. And it's grabbed by Chemezi Metu. Feeds to Davion Mitchell. Ahead to De'Aaron Fox. Euro steps to the left. High window flip. He's got the bucket. And it's suddenly a single-digit ball game. And Phoenix takes time out. The Kings were down 24. They're now within nine at 105.96. Yeah, I'm trying to go figure. Yeah, it was bizarre. That was a bizarre game the other day. Still ended up being a loss that's too consecutive. But uh, the Kings back at it today and in San Antonio. So as we said yesterday, you look at the layout of the trip. It's favorable. Who they're playing is favorable. Um those are all things that look good, but now you got to go out and play well. The stuff that we've talked about, Coach Walton on his weekly visits, and he's scheduled to join us tomorrow, that he talks about the details, the little things. And those are important in games like this. You, you don't want any kind of let-up. I really, really love their approach, their mindset, their their engagement in every game. Um, when they get down, it looks like they're not phased. They think, hey, we're the better team. We're going to win this game. That's the mentality that it looks like to me. Um, it's not foolproof, but that's the way they look to me. And so far, five wins, six losses. The schedule's been difficult. Um, I think it's been about what you'd expect. I, I don't know that they've um, really blown any game substantially. That third quarter last game was the worst quarter we've seen by far, without question. But then the same note, the fourth quarter, I don't know if it was amazing, but Phoenix was awful. So they gave him every opportunity to try to come back in that game. But I think just the tone setting of tonight's game for the road trip. And why I say that about San Antonio, they are always going to be well coached. But I think what's interesting, a lot of times our our safety net or just our what we'll fall back on about San Antonio is, well, they always make it. They're always in the playoffs. You know, that's that was the case. But this team hasn't been as good as kind of that statement lends itself to the last couple of years. And San Antonio is still well coached. It's more of a personnel issue right now for the Spurs, to me. Um, Because 
you know, you back to last year, that team won 33 games. Wasn't that amazing to me, but 33 games. Uh, the year prior, you know, when this team had, what, 20-plus years of making the playoffs, uh, the year in 2019-20, they won 32 games. So it's been a team for the last couple of years that's been living under the 500 mark more often than not. And you have to take advantage of that while they're in this realm. They've never been so bad that they draft that high. Now, what the organization has always been good at is developing players, finding people that you go, wow, how's that guy so good? Or where do they find this guy? They're exceptional at that. But if you think about in most recent times, their most high-profile best players have been LaMarcus Aldridge, who's no longer there, and DeMar DeRozan, who's no longer there. Doesn't mean they don't have other capable players. As uh, when we have uh, Henry on, he'll tell you. I mean, everybody in the NBA is is so skilled and so good, but this isn't the best we've seen the Spurs, right? That's an obvious statement. But now you're looking at guys that are being built around Keldon Johnson, nice player, um, DeJounte Murray, uh, Lonnie Walker, Derek White, those kind of guys. A veteran, I think, that's helped them, that's played well for them, that's bounced around the league a little bit is Thaddeus Young. He's really helped them off the bench. But tonight, you're going against a Spurs team that doesn't have Zach Collins still. He's injured. And Jakob Pertle, who, if you've watched the Kings and Spurs play the last couple of years, Pertle has actually bothered Sacramento quite a bit. So he's out with COVID protocol issues. So it's a Spurs team that when you look at their record, won't, it doesn't blow you away at three wins. And their three wins this year have been two. One, I would say you go, wow, they beat the champs. And they did. They beat Milwaukee. That's that's a version of where you go, okay. In Milwaukee, by the way, 102-93. So that puts you on alert like, okay, it's another reminder. Anybody, any day can beat you. Their other two wins are against Orlando. So they have three total wins. They're three and seven. No gimmies here. A lot of their losses in a handful of those, like a Laker loss they lost in overtime. Their most recent loss they lost by five. They're in a lot of these games. But to me, if the Kings think that they're the team I've been talking about, a playoff-type team, a top-10 team, a play-in team, whatever, ending that drought, um, a confident team, a team that's got continuity, that's got really more things going for it, in my opinion, than the Spurs, then it's one of those games that if you play well, you win. If you don't, you leave the door open. And sometimes you cannot play as well and still win when you're playing a lesser team but the last thing you want to do is give this person opportunity. Give them a chance. Keep them down if you can. This is a this to me is is kind of a double game for the Kings because it would count as just one win, gets you back to 500, stops the two-game losing streak, which they've done a couple of times already this year when they lost two in a row. They've never made it three in a row. So that's big. Getting back to 500 is a big number just kind of feels good there. You're going to try to build up some equity and get above 500 if you can. So it gives you a little cushion. And then the other part is it Moves the Spurs back. And I've been saying all week, and I, I might be ahead of myself on this one, but I firmly believe right now that the bottom five teams in the Western Conference have already established itself. I know it's early. I get it. Um, but I'm going to go out on that limb and stay there. I think the teams that are down there, Spurs included, I think that's your five that aren't going to be in either the play-in or the seeds of the West. And that includes OKC, Minnesota, San Antonio, Houston, and New Orleans. Now, the teams I said, OKC, Minnesota, and San Antonio, are three of the four teams the Kings are playing on this road trip. So they've got that double 
win mentality, right? If you win, that's a W in your column. A loss pushes them further back. That's why it's important. Right now, the Kings are, for what it's worth, tied for ninth, I guess, in the West with Portland. Uh, the only two teams in that top 10 below 500, but a win gets you back there. And there's a lot of parity in the West, but I think the bottom part is starting to separate. That one through 10 can just kind of shake free and someone will ultimately establish themselves as the best. Right now it's the Warriors. I still think it'll be the Jazz, but a long, long way to go. But I think it's important to begin the road trip in style with a win. They did a good job of that in the last road trip where they won the first couple of games. I think it'd be nice if they could do that today. Uh, redirect things, feel good about yourselves, and then see who plays well. Now it's about how did they play, looking at the game, what were the observations, what were the improvements. Uh, This San Antonio team, some of their strengths, they're really good at passing the ball and moving it and sharing it. They don't score a ton, um, and this is an opportunity where if it can be one of those games where the Kings can get it at the pace that they like and get up and down in transition and get everybody going and start shooting threes, it could be a good night for the Kings. So they begin the road trip in San Antonio, and every time I, I think of San Antonio, Chris and I were talking about it earlier. Chris actually brought it up, said, do you think, think there'll be a bat at this game? And I've done, I think, three games in San Antonio for the G-Man, and I know a couple of Monarchs games with the Silver Stars. Chris, I think I've done about five there, and I know there's been at least three of the five three. games. Three of the five that had a bat. Didn't you have back-to-back? Bat, bat to bat. Bat to bat. Yeah. I like that. And the one is the classic. I mean, it's just on Halloween, the Spurs. And then isn't it still amazing that Manu swatted that thing? When they showed that, I remember seeing it and just being like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just so weird. And, you know, I loved the the moments of when, you know, it was doing its flyby. And, and I'm not blaming the players. I was – I mean, it was one of those times where we were courtside, so we're right down low – I didn't want that thing anywhere near me. I didn't know what, but to see these, you know, 6'10", 6'8", finely tuned athletes just running away was was pretty spectacular. And then Manu just the left cross and knocking it out. It was bizarre. Poor Bat. Yeah, poor Bat. Um, and then they gave him, like, hand sanitizer. I'm like, yeah, I think we need to do a little bit more I'm pretty than that. sure he had to get a rabies. Yeah, he uh, did. I think he did later, right. so... Um, but, of course, the mascot, the coyote, was on cue, came out in the Batman outfit with the with the net bizarre but yeah and i have felt like that was a weird occurrence but uh the engineers they're saying no it happens there's a lot of them up top and they just kind of sometimes yeah, they texas is a bat like uh i've only i've been to austin oh yeah and that's like the famous place yeah and then like at night you just see them yeah like what's up there what are oh those birds gosh. doing yeah. oh, oh, those are birds, birds. <laughs> <laughs> those are bats so not sure if we're going to see bats tonight but uh kings and spurs coming your way uh, again game night at four uh, Kings Live pregame at 5 and then tip off at 5.30. First things first. Well, more regarding that, still at this point, at last check, uh, on the injury front for the Sacramento Kings, looks like Tyrese Halliburton and Terrence Davis are still listed as questionable for tonight's game. And, you know, it's only one game without Tyrese Halliburton, but, man, they missed him. And that's not why they got down that much. Um, it's just the life uh, that he brings, the energy he provides. I know Coach Walton had this on the pregame a few games back and said, we want the team to play with Tyrese Halliburton's personality. And I love that quote because there's a – I think Tyrese has got a really good innate blend of leadership, cheerleader, 
I think he can he can be competitive, um, and he makes people better. But you just like you love all of those elements in a team, where hey, someone's down, I'm going to pick you up. Someone's down, I'm also going to fire you up. Um, someone is doing well, I'm going to you know love on you and, and be happy about this and cheer you on. I just think he has a lot of the good elements that you want in a teammate. And then let's also go to his skill set. He makes you better. He makes teammates better. He's got just incredible instincts from day one, and he's a, he's a bonus. He's a nice addition to this team. So having him out the other day with back issues, is it's kind of the mystery. He could be fine tonight, or he could be out for a while, and I hope that's not the case. Again, he was listed as questionable. So was Terrence Davis. Now, Davis had an injury to his ankle in the game and did not return, but it was good to see him have some shots go through finally because he is a guy that can get crazy hot and was not. He was not at all to start this season. So that's the uh, injury update, I guess, the very latest there uh, on the Sacramento Kings with Tyrese Halliburton and Terrence Davis. Questionable uh, before this game gets started tonight. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. You know what I got to say last night with the start of college basketball, I you know, social media, man, a lot of people were, were to me, watching as – scouts almost to see the amount of reports on different players that were playing well individually how some players looked on on some high profile teams and of course a lot of those guys are going to go on to be the next wave of talented players in the NBA but it was great to have college hoops underway Uh, locally here you had uh, the teams both local teams win with Sacramento State winning at home and then UC Davis that was a great game last night a great win at Utah State so uh, it's here uh, Coach K, we talked a lot about him yesterday being this his final season and just the, the tribute that's going to go to him, deservedly so, for the final part of the year or for the final part of his career. And the other part I like about college basketball, to me so much about college basketball is about March, but I always appreciate the journey in this. And college basketball, almost more so than college football because – because of the nature of how many games you can play, and you can lose. You can lose several games. College football, a lot of times, I think programs are afraid to play one another for fear of losing. Because one loss to certain teams, and sometimes no losses, (coughs) Cincinnati, uh, it still doesn't enough. But I think there's a fear on the few amount of games you have and maybe an uncertainty of, of the team and roster you have because these schedules are made five, six, seven years in advance on on these big power programs playing non-league games, that there is a fear of losing. Whereas college basketball, man, they just come out and play the best teams. I mean, last night we saw some high-profile teams battling what felt like would be a Final Four game. But, I mean, and they do this every year, but Kansas and Michigan State, I know Michigan State wasn't ranked, but that was a good game. Kentucky and Duke played uh, this weekend or Friday. It's UCLA and Villanova, two teams in the top four. I, I just think that's... It's great for the sport. It's probably easier, I would say, on the committees at the end because you really have some good validations of what teams look like to you based on who they've played, and that's where you can truly measure these things. But from the top, I know there's a lot of hype on Gonzaga. They've been such a good team and a good program. They rolled last night. Um, if we just go down the list, UCLA won big there, number two. Kansas was in a game with Michigan State, but Michigan State uh, fell short there. Number four, Villanova routed their opponent. I mean, some of these are going to get easier games, but you'll also get those Duke-Kentucky 9-10 versus 10 just 
blue blood, uh, blue blood power programs. And you're going to start learning about some of these names of people that are going to be on mock drafts already for the 2021 or 2022 draft. And I know last night there was a lot of talk about uh, Paolo uh, Banchero from Duke, how he played and how he looked. The Seemingly, the number one prospect is Gonzaga's big man, Chet Holmgren, and he had uh, really good statistics in his first game. But these are names we're going to be hearing a lot more as this season goes and then certainly as uh, the draft comes around next year. So we've just begun, but it was good to see college football uh, on or college basketball, excuse me, on TV last night, certainly on the radio here. And I think it's going to be a good season ahead for college hoops. First things first. First things first. first. All right, Chris, I know we were doing the golf hour there. I didn't see anything, anything new on Odell Beckham. Has he landed on a team yet? I have not seen anything. Okay. I know. Is he going back to the Browns? That one I don't think is happening. That would actually be really funny. Just what, renegotiate a deal? Hey. Get it back? <laughs> hey, welcome back. Uh, the teams that reportedly are the most interested uh, and that have come out there on Odell Beckham Jr. as we still wait on his new team as after he cleared waivers. Kansas City has been mentioned. You also have New Orleans. Saints have been mentioned. And the Green Bay Packers have been mentioned with a late entry apparently the New England Patriots are very interested in Odell Beckham Jr. So if we look at the four teams, what makes the most sense to you when you see this and you hear those names? I'm going to try to make a case and maybe a counter against each one. I'm going to start with the New Orleans Saints. I think the case for that is played at LSU, kind of a return back to that area. They're a good team. They now have lost Michael Thomas for the year. So he can be the perceived number one receiving weapon. And maybe that's something that fits the ego. But. But. Are you, I, was, I was leading. Oh, you are leading me. But who's throwing on the ball? Jameis Winston is gone for the year. They've gone to Trevor Simeon. They still have Taysom Hill. I just think that is something that's going to be a drawback for Odell Beckham Jr. I think Sean Payton is a coach that could handle him. And when I say handle him, I don't know how difficult he is on a day-to-day basis. But I think, and what I've heard and what I've read about what others have suggested about him, is he is not the kind of player that does all of the little things that you want in a truly great player. And I think he has had some amazing highlight reel type catches in his career and has had some productive games, more so early on in his career, but right now needs to kind of be a fit-in guy. And I don't think Odell Beckham, to me, has always had the appearance of a it's-about-me guy. Like, I'm going to be the face of this team, the best player on this team, and that hasn't been the case. Now, Cleveland may not have been the best setup for him offensively, but was he doing all the other stuff they needed? Was he making? Was he blocking? Was he working extra in practice? Was he comfortable with being a decoy on certain routes? So those are questions I think that have been out there about him. And the Saints are a good team. I don't know if getting him puts them over the top. He should help them if he's just that uh, that player. Not the, the Odell Beckham from a few years ago that I think everybody would have said was a top five receiver. Now he's, to me, just a good receiver. And so I don't know that the Saints make a ton of sense. Kansas City. I don't look at Kansas City as an issue for weapons. 
Now, they would take him. I, if I'm him, I would love to go play with Patrick Mahomes. I'd love to be in Andy Reid's offense. But I could also see him maybe a bit upset if it's Tyreek Hill before him, Nicole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, go down the list. Demarcus Robinson, even now they have Josh Gordon too. And where would he fit in? You could argue that that's a better setup for him where he's just kind of another guy. I kind of like that for him. But does he like that for him? And he would have a great quarterback there, a good offense. I think Kansas City's issues, though, are defensively. Offense hasn't truly been thriving lately, but that defense needs more help than anything. So if those are the two of the options, the one to me that makes the most sense that's on the list right now is actually Green Bay. Because I think he would fall in line in a good spot on the depth chart where Devontae Adams is the best receiver there. Which is kind of strange because no one really likes falling in line in Green Bay. You're right. I set myself up for that. Good good, good catch. Um, but they have a Hall of Fame quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is an incredible quarterback. Does a ton of research. Yes, he does. He's a Facebook quarterback. Um, this team is good. They like to pass. They, they mix it up. I mean, they they should be, a, and I think will be a playoff team, maybe even a Super Bowl team. A lot of things that line up for them. And they're also a team, I think, that's comfortable enough to bring him in that's pretty seemingly running pretty well on the interior and then also comfortable enough to say, if it's not, we'll cut him. Like, we're, we're not in an all-in, like, we have to do this to save our season. It's, yeah, if it works, great. Be an addition to the team. If it doesn't, we'll see you later. But I, I don't know that, that it has to be as dramatic as that. But if he can fall in line, do the other things, be a, a secondary weapon, which I feel like he would be primarily in Green Bay, I think that fits really well. Now, the other one, the fourth one that we mentioned that seems to be getting some late attention is New England. And what intrigues me there is, by all accounts, what you read is that Bill Belichick's the one that's very, very interested here. So they've got a team that, when we talked to Chris Landry yesterday, we, we always kind of look at the teams that are leading divisions, have the best records, or on the other end. Well, right now, New England's right in the middle, 5-4. and four. And actually, well, Buffalo's sliding. They're, they're making it a little bit interesting. But I feel like I personally had forgotten a little bit about New England after they... Lost, what, three of their first four, uh, four of their first uh, six. Well, now three straight wins. Jets, Chargers, Panthers, and they suddenly have a pretty important game against the Browns, a team, ironically, where Odell Beckham Jr. has just come from. So I think it's a quirky fit. It's not the best quarterback situation, though Mac Jones is getting better. But to me, one of those things where if Bill Belichick is eyeing you and wants you and feels comfortable and enough in his skin to have you in there, system there's some intrigue there I would probably put that number two I would put the Packers number one Patriots two Chiefs Saints three and three a I mean it's just whichever one you want there but at this moment we're still waiting to see where Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, will land and so still have to wait still find out and when we find out we'll let you know but it doesn't look like he's going to be a Raider because Deshaun Jackson is there we're going to talk more about the Raiders on his weekly visit Lincoln Kennedy he stops by when we come back right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Every day I stay the same. Looking like I'm going to a Raider game. 
No, I'm not the only one. We've been doing it like this since we was hella young. I don't need a Raider patch. Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Of course, we got Kings basketball coming up here shortly as the Kings will take on the San Antonio Spurs, but it's a Wednesday. We always love catching up with Lincoln Kennedy, former Raider, current analyst with the Raiders radio network. And of course, you can hear all the Raider games here on Sports 1140. Uh, Lincoln, uh, best way to describe what happened last week. I, just not the Raiders we've been seeing as of late. What happened in New York? <laughs> Well, it's funny you mentioned that, Jason. It's it's not been the Raiders that you've seen normally, but it's been one of those things that where where I've tried to describe to my children because they were asking me the same thing. It's any given Sunday, anybody can be beaten by anybody else. It's it's just the fact that those guys on the other side of the page get paid too. So, you know, it, it's however you want to put it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I felt like going in, if the Raiders played well, I think they would have won, but they didn't. And yeah, there was another team out there trying to beat them, but it just I don't know if you had a, a pulse on what led to. Just everything kind of just seemed off all day. Well, well, you mentioned it. You know, yeah, everything kind of seemed off. But the big thing was that when your quarterback is inaccurate, as Derek Carr was that Sunday, it's really hard to to put it into words. It happens. It's not something that's expected, but it does happen, and it comes with it. You know, it, 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 it when when it does happen, you see what the outcome is. Yeah, certainly. And even as poorly as it felt like it was going, I mean, there were still chances even late. It's like, you know, this is still a one score game. I, I felt like, you know what, they might just get it right at the end and then be one of those games where they go, well, it wasn't pretty, but a win. And it just it just never connected with a I don't know. There's a rhythm to the game and it just felt like they were out of the rhythm, I guess, is what I'm saying. Well, that, that's exactly right, Jason. And the way you put it, that there, there was an out of the rhythm. And the fact is that I wasn't surprised the outcome. Um, I felt that when it started and the way the flow was going throughout the game, I wasn't surprised. But here's one thing I always put in perspective. When you have a sure-footed kicker, as you do with Carlson, Daniel Carlson, who's one of the been, who's been one of the most sure-footed kickers throughout the National Football League, whenever he has, um, excuse me, whenever he has an issue where he misses an extra point or a field goal, it's going to be a long day, and that's exactly what happened. It's happened many times before. I've watched it, and it happened at, as well as Sunday. I know uh, watching the postgame reaction from Carr, from Coach Basaccia, from other Raiders, nobody put any emphasis on uh, the week, the burden that they had to go through. That, and So I have to go off of that. They said, no, that's not why they lost. But I don't know how you would measure that, how much of an impact, just what they had to go through last week, if it had any on the game. Well, from an analytical standpoint, for somebody who, who sits in our chair like we do, uh, we have to break down what happens to the course of this team, not only on game day, but throughout the week. It's hard to explain or how to put aside if that didn't have any effect. But I do think, that, you know, when it comes down to this situation, um, when you put in perspective, you had John Gruden. Um, they played poorly after the John Gruden news was found on Chicago. And then you had Henry Ruggs. They played, they played poorly, obviously, after the Giants game uh, with the Giants, after Henry Ruggs. You, you, you kind of try to make sense and say that that might be the cost. But I want to give this team the benefit of the doubt because during that interim, they did play two good games against the Broncos and against the Eagles. It's just after the bye, which notoriously, uh, historically, um, uh, the Raiders have had a slow start and haven't played well um, after a bye. Um, and and, and you, know, you can go back in history and check that, regardless of the circumstances surrounding it, um, I think it has something to do with it. Uh, in this case, it was just more so that the team overall played well, but the quarterback did not. 
So I don't want to hold and say that that was the reason that Derek Carr didn't play a good football game. But I will say this, that it didn't help um, the, the, the circumstances, the fact that they had to deal with all these external things that would happen during the week. Yeah, Carr, to his credit, said, look, I just have to be better. And, and yeah. his track record shows he will. It, it Maybe you know everybody has a day where it's not theirs. Uh, Lincoln, I, I hate to throw one more thing on there, but now the latest, or not the latest, but the last couple of days with uh, David, or excuse me, Damon Arnett, uh, man, it's just, it's it's too much is going on with this team off the field. Well, let me just say this. Um, when you draft a guy, especially in the first round, you go through your wherewithal, you go through everything, uh, your diligence, if you will, to, to find out the background of a person and see if that, that person is right for your team and see if that, if that person is right to be a professional. You know, there's some things that you can't take in consideration or you don't have necessarily – I won't say that you can't take in consideration. But they had their red flags, but they thought that, you know, dealing with the Ohio State staff, they thought that this would be a young man that they could rely on, they could depend on, they could kind of keep on the right track. Um, but when it turned out the other way, it's it's not a reflection of drafting poorly. It's a reflection of, you know what, we missed. We we, we took a chance on a guy, we missed. Um and and that happens. That happens to every team, Jason. And, and the thing is, is that I, I have the issue with the, the, the bit of the Raider Nation is that everybody wants to throw, you know, sand on the fact that oh my goodness, all these draft choices have been wasted. Yada yada yada. It it it's really is a crapshoot mm-hmm. when you talk about drafting guys and when you talk about taking the draft. And every team goes through it. If you went and you did your diligence or you did your homework on every team's draft choices over the last five years, you'll find that they missed at a lot of points that they didn't hit on. Um, uh, and, and it just happens. When you're, when you're able to take advantage of it, when you're able to make, make, a, make those draft choices, pick, uh, um, those picks happen, and you're able to have them come through, then that's something else on its own. But for the most part, everybody misses on those draft choices because it really is a crapshoot. Yeah, I've always been fascinated with that process, Lincoln, because obviously all these guys are talented enough to be there. They're, that's not the question. It's just... Why does it work? Sometimes it's environment, the, the situation, the organization they go to and whatever sport it is. Um, but it, it's impossible to know. I'm sure in all those uh, pre-draft meetings, you said all the right things and other people say all the right things until they really get to see Lincoln Kennedy and see how you're like in practice, see how you are in a game under the big stage or in a meeting or in controversy or in good times. You don't know that until you get that person in your sight. Well, the thing is, is that there are a lot of things that happens when you're enabled a guy who with, with six figures uh, a salary True. or something like that True. coming out of college. You know what I'm saying? So um, there's a lot of things that go along with that, and you never know what you get until you get you know, get them in a situation, as you mentioned. But you know, like I said, you can make this argument for just about every team and their draft choices and their draft picks because it really is a crapshoot. Yeah, and then the other way, the success, like you know, Tom Brady is going to go down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, six rounder. I mean, yeah. obviously, he would have gone yeah. number one, number one, but. Exactly. Nobody knew it then. All right, let's move on to to this week. That's what the Raiders have to do. They've done a good job of that when it's kind of stumbled. Then they get back on and and rally. Uh, Attention will be sharp. They got a a primetime game, Kansas City. We've talked about them for weeks. Yeah, they won last week. They don't look like the the team that everybody expected them to be. I think this is a great opportunity for that, for Carr to get back on on a roll and, and the offense to get rolling again. It's a great opportunity for to keep the, uh, one of those juggernauts down, if you will. Uh, the fact is the Kansas City Chiefs are still strong with their offense and with potentially what they can do. And they're finally over a, you know, over 500 on, on top of that with a winning record. But 
you know, when you th- when you think about this, Jason, the the, the Raiders have a unique opportunity um, that, that that's rare in a sense where you talk about the divisional rivalry, you talk about the ability to keep a guy uh, keep a team down. I've positioned in my thoughts where when it came to the Chargers versus the Raiders, they were going to end the season and that they were going to be playing for a division crown. That's the last game of the uh, the season. Um, I still think that's true, but they have to take care of business in the first point. They have to take care of the Chiefs. They, they've they got them twice, a big game going against Sunday night. I think they're a capable team. They can beat the Chiefs, but they have to go out there and they have to play a whole lot better than they did against the Giants. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the way we've seen, even last week, Kansas City getting by, I will say, Green Bay, because Love didn't look great with filling in for Rodgers. And like we've said, Kansas City hasn't been that team uh, we've expected, but a Sunday night game in Vegas. I just, I feel like there, there's, it's going to have a good vibe for you guys in the in the broadcast booth on Sunday night. Well, I hope so. I hope I, hope I get some good stuff to report about <laughs> when we talk about the game during on Sunday night. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lincoln, as far as uh, your schedule too, you have any college football this weekend? Yeah, you know what? I've got um, uh, I've got Arizona. I've got a game in Arizona, and I think they're taking on who is it? Colorado. I'm not sure who they're playing in Arizona, but I'm just starting to study. I mean, we're early in the week, but I'm just starting to study. I've got another game in Tucson this week. Take it on Arizona going down to Tucson in the walkouts. Yeah, and Arizona, I was thinking about them. They finally broke that losing streak. Yeah, that yeah exactly. Yeah, I saw that against the last week against California. Yeah. Uh, they finally got it. It wasn't an exciting game. 10 no. To, 10 to 3, but the same thing as a win is a win is a win. So I, I've got them this week, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Lincoln, uh, enjoy your weekend. We always appreciate uh, checking in with you each and every week, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Sounds good, Jason. Thanks for having me, bud. Appreciate it. All right, that is Lincoln Kennedy joining us here on the show again. Lincoln, of course, you'll be able to hear him with Brent Musburger. Sunday night football right here on KH2K. And Lincoln's right. Think about the situation the the Raiders are in. I thought last week was not their best, obviously not their best performance, not even that, but just the way the weekend went. Uh, I thought they would beat the Giants. They did not. But everyone else won. Uh, the Chiefs got the Packers. Uh, you had the b- surprise win by the Broncos uh, over Dallas, like convincing win. And then, of course, the other game that happened last weekend was uh, in division was the Chargers getting the win over the Eagles down basically to the last play. So uh, everybody gained on the Raiders, but it's a new week and an opportunity, as to Lincoln's point, to keep the Chiefs down. Everybody's waiting for them to really start going. They're winning a little bit more here lately, but they're just getting by. And they just haven't been the same team. I think we can all see that. And I think this is an opportunity for the Raiders offense again, whether that's more of Kenyon Drake, Jacobs, Waller, but Carr. Carr is so important to what this team does, and he was off. That rhythm we talked about with Lincoln, just everything just seemed out of sorts. His numbers ended up being just okay, but he he missed guys. He had some potential openings. Now the Giants are the other team out there trying to create havoc and disrupt things, but it just just wasn't going. It just wasn't connecting, and hopefully that's something they can fix as soon as uh, Sunday and Sunday night against the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. We will break. One final segment to come on our brief show today. When we come back, uh, we'll have some more thoughts on this Kings and Spurs game tonight. Again, starting a road trip with every opportunity to to really have a productive trip. But we'll focus a little bit more on this Kings-Spurs game and the crossover from the morning show. We'll do all that when we come back right here on Sports 1140 KHTK.
Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Final segment because game night's coming your way at the top of the hour. Scott Marsh in the high flyer. Henry Turner will have that. And then, of course, coming up at 5, Kings Live pregame. And then tip off. The G-Man will have the call of the Kings and the Spurs. Not the only big guy, a game tonight, though, Chris, right? Do we have some linear championship watch tonight? They're, basically, everybody in the league is playing tonight. Oh, yeah. Cavs versus Wizards. Okay. And if you would have told me before the season that we'd even have that as a matchup and that it would actually be interesting, uh huh, I would call you a dirty, dirty liar. Wow. All that? If that's what you had said at the beginning of the season. Two dirties before Two the liar? Two dirties. Oh, okay. So you were serious. Uh, that will be taking place tonight. Washington's defended it twice, correct? Yes, going for their third. And that would be the record so far this season. For this very young season. It's back in the East. So Washington and Cleveland. Um, do we have – You don't have, we don't have to have Stinger yet. Game hasn't started. I mean, I did think of one for the Cavs. Okay, because we know what the Wizards. We have that one. That's in play. And, I mean, it's just really easy to get there. I don't know why I didn't have this set up. To oh, it's away. just a couple clicks away. It's, it's really easy. Uh, you had the wrong day on here, so that got me all confused. But I do have it. Are you ready for it? Yes. If I turn the music down. <laughs> I'm ready. Are you sure? I'm really ready. And now I am ready. Parkman doing his little shimmy. It drives the women here in Cleveland crazy. Parkman? Yes. Well done. Well done. Kind of hope Cleveland wins now. I really want Cleveland to win. Yeah, they need to have that for a while. So we'll be monitoring that. Um, We'll be monitoring that situation amongst many others today. Uh, But it is the Kings and the Spurs tonight. Uh, the Kings haven't had great success against San Antonio in San Antonio. They, that's partly the case in a lot of places. I, I was thinking about uh, the Spurs, as I said that earlier in the show, that this is not the same team that's been, you know, the 20-plus years, always making the playoffs, always a team where we go, man, here they are at the end. Well, they haven't been that team the last couple of years. And I think back to last year, as up and down and as wild as it was for the Sacramento Kings, when they lost um, nine consecutive games twice, well, the Kings got themselves out of that second consecutive or that second nine-game losing streak and really started to rally. And I'm looking back on the back end of the schedule last year, and the Kings were, after losing nine in a row, had kind of split win-loss, win-loss for a while, and then won one, two, three, four in a row and six of seven. But I think the most important game they were playing that I remember, fans were back in the building. The biggest game they had last season was against San Antonio. It was late. It was in May. I remember the season was pushed you know, back a little bit. And they needed to get that win, not only to get a win for themselves, to keep the win streak going, but to give a loss to San Antonio. And the Spurs ruined it for the Kings. Um, looking back on that box score, Kings lost 113-104. Um, and Sacramento at that time was still alive, still had their opportunities. But this was the start of that stretch where they were playing without De'Aaron Fox. Remember, there was a a COVID situation with him last year and still played Bagley, Harkless, Holmes, Heald, Darrell Wright at that time. And it was a game they had to win. And unfortunately they didn't. It gave a better chance for San Antonio and certainly hurt the chances of the Sacramento Kings. So Spurs still have that ability and had that last year, though it's not the same team. They're going to be playing tonight without Jakob Pertl. And that should be a factor for them, at least he's been a guy that's bothered the Kings, just another interior guy. And that's another part of what didn't go as well as anticipated on the last game for the Kings besides that brutal third quarter. Rashawn Holmes 
wasn't his typical self. He's had such a good start to the season. Harrison Barnes has been off the charts, but they didn't have the best of Rashawn Holmes on the last game on Monday. So new day today, new opportunity, and hopefully it's something the Kings can uh, can come away with a win to stop the the mild losing streak, right? It's just a two to set the tone for the homestand, to get back to 500, and to give the Spurs a loss. I mean, that, there's so many things that make a game this early in the season, I think, important for the Kings. It's not must win. We're not we're not to that point, but you you want to. You want to feel good. You want to get it going in the better direction again. And if they think they're this team that can be a playoff team, get it going back in the right direction. Would you say it's not a must win game, but it would be a bad loss game? I would say that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, all of this also goes how do they play, but I'm of the firm belief if they play well, they will win. So likely to lose, it has to be subpar. Even if this, I can't imagine a scenario where the Kings played well and the Spurs just went to level 10, the unheard of level. Maybe that's possible, but I feel like if the Kings played well, it's going to be a W, but that doesn't always happen. So we got to see how it all uh, plays out. Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. Before we wrap things up, let's get the crossover from the morning show. What's happening on the Carmichael Dave show? Let's find out right now with the crossover. Do you believe it? Here's today's crossover. Jason, a quick crossover because I know you're getting ready to transition into King's duty, so let's get you ready for that exactly look. They're going into San Antonio tonight. Not a good team, but historically has been a tough matchup for the Kings. My question to you is simply this. In order for the Kings to win tonight, Blank needs to step up more than he has done all season. Ooh, one individual than all season. Well, I mean, I think that the easy answer is De'Aaron. Um, because I think when he plays well, this team plays well, though I've said I like it when they have the balance, the seven players and double figures. And if De'Aaron's at 14 points or 22 points, I just want to see him be more efficient. So I guess the short and easiest answer would be efficiency from De'Aaron. I don't know that, as I gave you the numbers the other day, the first through the first 10 games of last year and the first 10 games of this year, The numbers are almost the same with the big exception. I mean, the big exception, field goal percentages, three-point, free throw, and field goal. Those are are way down. But his points are about the same. His rebounds were up. His assists were up. Steals, I think, were the same. Blocks were down. But it's field goal percentages that were different. So by the – as the year went along, there goes De'Aaron up to 25 points a game. Right now he's at about 18. So um, if I'm picking one guy, it's De'Aaron. And hopefully it's the efficiency is what we need from De'Aaron Fox tonight. All right. Game night's coming your way next. Scott Marsh and the High Flyer have that. We'll be back at 5 for Kings Live pregame. Enjoy Kings basketball coming up right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. See ya.